0: You're by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Welcome to the podcast <laughs> on my birthday. Uh, officially the uh, exact moment that I was born 40 years ago. We're recording this. Did you know that I timed
1: the, the start of the record button to hit 1145 alive. on the dot? Which is the moment that Father Peter was born 40 years ago today. Yes.
0: What, what, yo? I just, f- I just achieved 40th level.
1: Or the 10th if you're counting by 10, or the 4th level if you're counting by 10s. If you're going by decades,
0: if you have a hexadecimal,
1: <laughs> right, that's what I was thinking. Is that hexadecimal? No, I have that's no idea
0: what you're talking about. No, that's twelve or something. I just watched. <laughs> I watched The Martian the other day. Um, hey, you're listening to the Word on the Hill with the Lanky <laughs> Guys. My name is Dr. Scott Powell. I'm. I, I don't even want to
1: say I'm Father Peter
0: Musset. That I feels know. Weird. It, I know. It makes me it's feel weird. To, to. And it's your birthday. You should own it. I own know. your identity. You're not Dr. Scott Powell. You are Father Peter, I'm Father Peter Musset. Father Peter Musset. Father Peter Michael. Ten other middle names. Musset. Amen. I can't say them all because then you'd know my true name and then you could be able to command me. Do you add another one every birthday? Do you add another, birth, another no, name No, I can't do that. Every I, decade maybe? No, I do it only in significant moments or moments that 40 are Forty seems humorous. significant. Forty does seem I'm significant. Just Dude, actually, maybe I should add a
1: name today. I'm, I'm saying you should consider it. That's all. Well, wow. so, Happy birthday to Father Peter
0: thank Everyone you send him your everybody birthday wishes. in your heart you can just this is what you do is you pray for me yes. that i would be um a saint yes that is a good prayer well maybe not, maybe not sometimes like i love being a saint you should be a except saint. for like it scares me man because like all the saints like they like are intense man
1: not all of them I'm sure there's some boring saints.
0: They'd like, they're they're just, just holy. They're just holy. I like that You're idea. not boring.
1: That's one thing you're not to ever
0: be accused of. That is the truth of the truth.
1: Oh, so shout out to Father Peter. I also want to give a shout out to the entire staff of Camp Voitiwa, um, all of our counselors this year, who have all promised to listen to the podcast because <gasps> they want to get more of us. Um, and I just want to thank them for all their service. These guys coming from all over the country, um, have poured themselves out for the sake of young people and leading them to the gospel. So I want to affirm you in front of all of the podcast listeners. So please podcast world, please pray for all the staff from camp with you and all the work that they did and that they could see some of the fruit in their own lives as they go back home.
0: Also yeah. a shout out to Dr. Jason Pfeiffer. Is he a real Pfeiffer, doctor or a, po- a doctor like me? Um, he, I think he's a real doctor. He, um, uh, he, uh, or as my kids say, a doctor who helps people. A doctor who helps people, because we know you, Scott, that mm-hmm. you don't help people. I help their souls. You do. People. You're you're awesome. But yeah, he, uh, he, I guess he's a is a mega evangelist for the lanky guys. Sweet. And uh he had some like super conversion in his life, and is just like turning people on left and right oh. to us. And so, oh, pretty yeah, good so, be so like I think he was gonna like totally uh get what like. You go crazy if he heard his name on the podcast. Oh. So we figured that. Hopefully he's listening. That's Hopefully my, this
1: isn't the one week he didn't listen. Yeah, I know. He's that's like, exactly oh. it. He,
0: he's like, I've got ten surgeries.
1: You know, <laughs> I've got to replace people's brains. What if he? What if somebody's listening to this while performing surgery? What Dude. a sad, scary thought. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, that's too much. That's too much pressure. Yeah,
0: that's me. too much pressure on you, man. Well, speaking uh, of pressure, um, it's the transfiguration.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's there's pressure on the sake of uh, Peter James and John to deal with it dude right i mean yeah there's pressure there well dude that's a good segue right just affirm me please
0: you are affirming thanks man wait (laughs) (laughs) oh it's transfiguration sunday though it's transfiguration sunday caught me off guard a little bit um yeah it it, it, it feels kind of like out of nowhere it does well um what do you say we get into this dog I, i say we get into it our first reading is from Daniel chapter seven, nine to ten, jumping to thirteen fourteen. Our response
1: to Royal Psalm is coming from Psalm 97, verses 1 through 2, 5 through 6, and 9. And the response itself is a is a hybrid, a tying together of 1A and 9a, which yeah. is quite a response. Our
0: second reading is from 2 Peter. It is indeed. 1 16 to 19. Appropriate on your birthday.
1: Second Peter. Because you are the second Peter. Dude, that was
0: the Pope. I'm sure there's others. But I think You're the only one that counts. Thanks. Aside from the Pope. I mean, aside from the Pope. Yeah, of course. I mean, whatever. Yeah, there's okay. I'm sure there's others.
1: Yeah. Uh, Our gospel is coming from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9.
0: Transfigured on a mountain. Okay, so I please. Okay, so I was thinking about something. Like like I'm (laughs) just like. Okay, we're in Daniel. That's true. And um uh when we when we look at Daniel, I have like Okay, so I have this idea, okay. Scott. All right, and th- this is what I've realized: is that being a preacher, yep. you have this experience where you're going along, and you're like, "I just have to give them the marrow. I have to like bust through to the very essence of things because I don't have very long. People don't have yeah, a lot of you attention. Don't have much time. So, like, whereas a teacher, like, they take you through the experience. They set the context. They, they they go all through these things. Which is what we do. And then they deliver. And then you're like, oh, that's why it's so significant. Okay. So... Um, I'm looking at Daniel and I, I want to go right to the marrow of the one thing that I know that is of essence in this passage, but I need the context. I need you oh. to take me through this so that, I, I'm, that, that's what I do. I know. Oh, you just lit me up. That's uh, well, I, I need, like
1: context. That's yeah, what I do. But that's, that's why I'm here.
0: This is why you're here. And this is like, but I'm here to deliver too. That's great. No, no, no. You
1: then not take the context and you make it applicable. Right. That's our thing. That's, this is our, this is our shtick. This is our shtick. Um, okay. So Daniel, oh, Okay. There's so. This is another one of those. one. I mean, I could give an entire lecture. I could give a whole class on this passage from Daniel. This passage yeah. is everything.
0: Oh man! This so that's is such where a... I don't even know what to do with myself now. How, how do we? What is he? Where is he saying okay, this?
1: Okay, okay. I, first of all, I, I do have to say, and maybe this is where you can help me out. I have a lot to say about this passage. I have a lot to say about the gospel, but I don't know how. I don't have a lot to tie them together with. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's where I'm struggling. So let's talk about Daniel. Where's Daniel? Who, who is Daniel? Daniel was one of the exiles. So when ba- when Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, right around, uh, what is it, 586 BC, as the punishment that all the prophets foretold, right? Daniel was one of the first round of exiles. And Daniel, you know, this is Babylon's immigration strategy. They always took the best people into slavery so that they could put them to work so that they could have all the best, you know, hardest... Uh, um, most high-level workers and everything else. So Daniel was a big deal. He was put uh, to work in the court of the king of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. So he's he's living the he's living the life, but he's doing it in exile and in a sort of slavery, right? So Daniel. Uh, basically, lives through the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, God's house, the holy dwelling place, the loss of all of the trappings of Judaism, the loss of any ability to practice Judaism the way that we're supposed to practice it. This is, we've talked about this before. I mean, again, imagine you're a Catholic and someone takes away, kills all the priests, takes away the means for, um,
0: uh, giving us the Eucharist and all the sacraments and Gluten- how do you- gluten-free takes over so profoundly that they won't <laughs> oh, even grow wheat anymore <laughs> sure
1: let's go with that you know what I'm saying kind of no yeah yeah all right yeah yeah I guess that's, kind of, that's an interesting
0: insight what if nobody could receive well you could still have the blood Anyway, you, you actually the priest would have to be this is, we're, we're saying that the context for the ability to even celebrate the sacraments is gone. So the the simple context is times uh, are tough.
1: Times is, tough. times is tough. Times is tough. So here's Daniel. Daniel is a faithful Jew living in exile, asking himself the question, well no, asking God the question. How long, O oh Lord? Right. This is the question on his lips, and it, it represents mm. the the prayer at the heart of Judaism at this time. How long are we going to be punished? How long will we be in exile? How long until you step in and save us? And so Daniel, around chapter seven, he is, and it's chapter seven and chapter nine are both kind of two series of the same um prayer and a similar answer that God gives him. But he's praying this prayer in exile. It actually says at the hour of the evening sacrifice, he's literally in his room facing the direction of where the temple used to be when it existed, because he doesn't know what else to do with himself. So he's like, well, there used to be a temple there. God's presence used to dwell with us. So I'm just going to face what I know, where it used to be. And I'm going to offer that back to God and my sorrow and my heartbreak. And so he's saying, how long are we stuck in this? How long until you save us? And um, he gets a dream. And he goes to sleep. And actually, chapter seven comes right after. (laughs) It's a dream about beasts, um, which is conveniently enough coming right after he's thrown in a lion's den. So it kind of makes (laughs) sense that he's dreaming about beasts. But the context, so remember, he has this dream, um, again, kind of praying, asking the question, how long, O Lord? And he sees this vision of four beasts who rise up out of the sea. And each of the beasts represents a nation, a a superpower that's going to rule over the earth. And the first one, of course, represents Babylon itself, the one he's living through. So I I forget what they are. First, there's a lion. Um, And actually, Babylon in archaeology and art was often represented by a lion. So there's, there's clear historical references. That, okay, this line, it represents Babylon. And then there was a bear, which is said to represent Medo-Persia, which would take over from the Babylonians. And then he sees a leopard, which represented the Greek empire, which took over from the Persians. And then the fourth beast he sees is, is inexplicable. It's this terrifying and, and horrendous and has 10 horns and all these different things. And he can't even describe it because it's more powerful than all the other beasts. And historians and theologians are like, oh, well, that is the great and terrifying empire of Rome, which was more powerful than any empire of the world had seen. And so he's like, these four beasts, they represent, and an angel interprets the dream and says they, they represent four kingdoms that are going to rule the earth. But, and here's where we pick it up with our reading, during the reign of this fourth beast that's terrifying and, 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 and dreadful and does all these terrible things, I saw one like a son of man descending on the clouds to receive his everlasting kingdom that will never be taken away. Um, which is why, by the way, historically, everybody knows, every Jew knows precisely when the Messiah is supposed to arrive. Nobody knows the exact year, but everybody knows the Messiah is coming during the reign of the Roman Empire because everyone's done the math since the time of Daniel, and they say, okay, there's been four great kingdoms that have ruled the earth. We're in the time of this last kingdom, this terrifying, dreadful Roman Empire. We know that the Messiah will come now. We don't know exactly when, but we know because of these prophecies when he's coming. And so Daniel says, I saw one like a son of man um, go to the ancient of days. He took up his throne. Um, You know, all these things, the kingdom was everlasting and it was given to him. And this is the, the reading that we get. It's very beautiful. But what we don't get is where this reading then goes, which is what Daniel sees next. Do you remember this? So he sees one like the son of man coming on the clouds, doing all these things. But then the son of man, this one like a son of man, who is the king of Israel, is going to be handed over to the fourth beast. And he's going to be handed over to the fourth beast, and he's going to be killed. But then he will rise again and come back and usher in this eternal and everlasting kingdom, which will be from sea to sea and the ends of the earth. And so again, if you're in Christian hindsight, you're like, okay, one like a son of man is going to come down from heaven during the reign of the Roman Empire. He's going to be handed over to the Roman Empire and put to death, and then he's going to come back and usher in his kingdom. You're like, holy cow. Holy cow. This is the Christian
0: mystery, right? This is the story, which is like one of the reasons why, to me, this is this is a window into one of the most important moments of Jesus's knowledge and understanding of Scripture because he's standing before the high priest Caiaphas.
1: Which is I, I, there was one of those things I wish that was the gospel. I mean it can't be because of the transfiguration but I would love to see Daniel 7 paired with that scene in Mark that you're talking about where he's oh, before Caiaphas. Where
0: he says, he says and then you will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He and quotes then, Daniel right he, here. He quotes Daniel and like but isn't it so profound? And then of course the high priest priest tears his robes and says, Do we have anything in need else for, for accusing him because he's a blasphemer? Which, which, which,
1: there's so many lovely. I mean, he says, I mean, the, the priest says, Are you, what does he say? Are you the son of the living earth? Are you what they say you are? I forget the exact wording. Yeah. And Jesus' response is, I am, which is the proper name for God. So he's used God's name. So on one level, there is a, a clear, if he's not God, he has blasphemed. Because right. he's used God's name. So it's really easy to read Caiaphas's response and be like, oh, it's because he used the holy name. That's why he rips his robes. But that's, I don't think why. No,
0: because, because here's this context of like Daniel. He's saying that I am the one, the ancient one who's taking his throne. Well, and it's interesting when Jesus says that
1: to the high priest, the, 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 the language he uses, he says, you will see one like a son of man he doesn't say you all everyone will see one like a son of man descending he said he uses the first person or the second person singular so he says hey high priest you personally individually are going to see one like a son of man coming on the clouds and again we know the story what happens to the son of man he's handed over to who to, Rome. to the beast so who is jesus just been handed over to the the beast But who specifically is is he standing before? Caiaphas, the high priest. So who has Jesus been handed over to? Caiaphas. Yeah. So what is Jesus calling Caiaphas? The beast. He's like, you're the beast. (laughs) That's why Caiaphas is like, what? And he tears his robes. By the way, the the Greek word for hand over, it's the verb paradidus, paradidus, Mm -hmm. which is derivative of the name judus. Whose name oh. literally means the hander overer. So Judas has just handed over one like a son of man to the high priest, who is now the high beast, so to speak. That's a Ted Street pun.
0: Oh, nice. And he's like, Ted, what did
1: you just call me? And what Jesus is saying is, look, this beast, this great and terrifying beast, it's not limited to one political empire. You're participating in it. Many of his Jewish brethren participate in it. You and I sometimes, when we give in to our sin, participate in that. Right? He's like, no, 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 it's way bigger. And the high priest is like, what are you talking about? But he's affirming, like you said, he's revealing who he is. And he's unpacking the book of Daniel
0: on this. This is what I love about Christ is that the worst moments. (laughs) This is what I love about Jesus is the very worst moments he uses as this opportunity to reveal his glory.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that's why it's like, that's actually why I think that this is an important lead. Um, Like, like there's a context that we, we don't get the direct reference. We actually have to make this, this reference going on, like so that we can say, okay, well well, then like, like what is the glory of God? What really is the glory? And that's, that's like, that's like, because we think, okay, because we, we end up in the Psalm. Yeah. Right. Oh, good. That's a good segue. The, the Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. So please, I, I have something to say about this, but I want to yeah, hear it. Yeah. You. I mean, I, like, oftentimes I think that, w- you know, what do we think glory is? Okay. We say power. Yeah. Right. Like, th- that's where, that's where, like,
1: riches, wealth, weapon, you know, all, all these. Which
0: is so wonderful power, because yeah. I, I think
1: that, like, it's like the reading from last Sunday with Solomon. Right, that you're like, well, that's glory. He had a big palace and riches and jewels and money and power and, and people serving glory him, and
0: be. all of this. And yeah. and I think that as as uh, as an earth, I think like hopefully there's a, there's a lot of people who are starting to say. Oh. This really doesn't that that doesn't work. That's actually this consumerist. you want to hope insanity. that do you? you really do and that power like but it's like, so it's so um, captivating. It's so. I mean, we, I think so, so
1: many of us know that with our heads, but then you get a taste of it. And you're like, mm.
0: I like well, well, this That's pretty nice. I mean, that's what I feel like in the podcast here is I just feel very powerful and that I have a lot of influence. Look <laughs> at all of these faces so, over there. Somebody asked their me. Their they were, iPhones. It's, it's somebody who came up to me and we were like, what does it feel like to be a little bit famous? Oh, and I was like, I was like, the reality is, I was like, we I was don't. like, you, I was like, it doesn't feel like anything. It's no. Scott and I, like, in a room, in, in a, a room, basement, in a basement, <laughs> like <laughs> with the dog that's like, you know, messing up the sweeping that was just done, you know, and we like, to pause the
1: podcast it, to stop the dog from digging in the backyard. It, that's fame. That's it, what fame. Looks that's like, what fame looks like. With our slightly it, stale gummy worms.
0: It's so funny because it's no, it's like I, I have no real interest in power. I have interest. In trying to like well, be with people in the truth, and like that's the best part. I, I mean,
1: this is my pessimism and my cynicism. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't either until I get a little taste of it, I and then know. you're like, "Ooh, but this is nice." I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, even the apostles given to this. I know They're the closest ones. But I mean, that's the. I think that's what. These readings kind of stitch together. That's one of the warnings, right? I don't I mean? That, that's why the scriptures are so explicit about no. What is the Son of Man's glory? Especially the New Testament, unpacking the old, saying no. All of the things that we thought were God's were, were glory, are actually not, because now and this is what Daniel is getting at. God's glory is not just coming on the clouds. I mean, that's really cool, but it's also being handed over, right. being humbled, being. Yeah, handed it over and, and given in and brought low. I mean, this is what Philippians says. This is what mm. Paul unpacks. He's like, no, it's through his emptying of himself that God super glorified him. Through his emptying of himself to death, being poured out to the point of death, even death on a cross. But because of that, God super exalts him. That's yeah. his glory. And Daniel shows that. It gives a little insight. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can look back and be like, oh, but it, it's it's hinting at this.
0: So this is, I, I just want to say, I think we need to rename um, this Sunday from Transfiguration Sunday. I think we should call it Cloud Sunday. Cloudy the, Sunday. Because the Son Sunday, of Man. Cloudy Sunday, cloudy Sunday. He's going to come on the clouds of heaven. The Son okay. of Man's going to come on the clouds of heaven. Okay. The Lord oh, is king. Let the earth, ger- let the islands be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. What and a strange then, line. Clouds and darkness are around about him.
1: That's not what you normally think when you think of the king and his glory.
0: That's clouds really... and
1: darkness. But do you see the insight it's getting at? Yeah, because he's going to be brought low.
0: It's going to be ugly. Yeah. Well, this is the thing: is if anybody's ever been in authority in any sort of position, they realize <laughs> that darkness is around about them. No. I think that's why people like Game of Thrones or something. Maybe I, I don't understand. know. I haven't watched it, no, but yeah, like, yeah. but I think that I think it's, we're better off. I think we are. Um, but like I think people love it because it's like authority just brings massive levels of complication. And, and like yeah. I think it helps we people. We love understand.
1: to see power figures brought low. That's why political scandals are so intriguing to us. We're like, oh, they fell from glory, right? We're just sucked in by that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. No matter if we supported them or not. It doesn't matter because we want to watch people fall, which is very sad. <laughs> but don't – I mean, isn't that kind of true? I mean, it's humans, not we right yeah is that overly cynical no
0: no i i really find it but the, That's but this is the
1: paradox it, of the cross but
0: this is it's but this is the thing that the lord says yes to that yeah he, he says, does he takes the initiative yes because because yeah. the exact opposite of of what we really love, like the, the one of the most noble things that you can do in the entirety of a culture is self sacrifice for a greater good no greater love has any man than this, dude. I mean, you look at Obi Wan Kenobi, dude. You're like, oh my gosh, Obi Wan gave his life. Obi gosh. E- yeah. Obi gosh. <laughs> or, or you look at uh, any any kind of uh, movie where somebody says, you know what? Uh, like, uh, I was watching Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert. You know, you you watch you watch Captain Kirk, and you say, oh my gosh, Captain.
1: Captain Kirk. What happens to Captain Kirk?
0: I'm not going to say nothing. You kind of already have. I already have. <laughs> or you look at Harry, Harry Potter. Here's Harry Potter. What happens to A- Harry Potter? I never saw the last one. Sorry. Yeah, so so this is the <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Anyway, anyway like, yeah. Is that we've enshrined and proposed yes. the, the idea of self-sacrifice? Absolutely. The, and, and, There's
1: something within us that recognizes the, the honor of, the glory
0: of that that's why darkness and clouds like that's the thing yeah, is that yeah, is that real yeah. leadership goes into the darkness yeah. and offers themselves yeah. an authority that's why we say like the people who have taken up the banner of power it's why it's so hard to have kings that are saints
1: you you've i'm intrigued by something yeah well we'll get to that when we get to the gospel the clouds and darkness though hmm. I'm intrigued by something here okay i i do i do just want to say one thing just and this has nothing really to do with what we're talking about but it's something I can't, and I, it just kind of hit me this morning. And I mean, I, I I read right past it, but this is the this is the Old Testament, right? This psalm, presumably written by in the Davidic tradition, I think. The Lord is King, the Most High over all the earth. I mean, I don't know if there's a more explicit psalm that foreshadows the New Testament. This is a psalm that so explicitly tells what's going to happen in the New Testament. I mean, yes, there's the idea that God is king over everything. He, he is the divine. King people. of everything. But this, this is showing so explicitly what God is going to do. Mm. Yes, he's king over everything. So now he's actually physically going to come and do it and act as king. I mean, mm. is it Ezekiel or Zechariah that basically mm. says, I, I think it's Zechariah. This says, look, all the shepherds that I've sent. They stink. <laughs> <And> they're terrible. <laughs> so I'm gonna come and do it myself. Right. I'm gonna come and be the king. We um a good friend of mine runs a rafting company in Buena Vista and we use we we partner together on Camp Voitiwa things. And I remember they would send buses out to pick up the students from Camp Voitiwa and drive them all the way to Buena Vista for our rafting trips. And the bus drivers, because you've been to Camp Voitiwa. Totally. The bus drivers kept getting lost. And there's no cell phone reception. They're like, We well, keep getting lost, and then we kept getting delayed. And so the the owner of the rafting company was like I'm gonna drive the buses myself. I'm just gonna do it, which is kind of unhurt. And I love this guy, and he's a great leader. And you know, he's—I don't know if he's a believer or not, but I mean, he's just a man of character. And he's like, I'm gonna do it myself because not that my bus drivers are a bunch of jerks, but I want this done well, and I want these people served, and I want them to have a good experience. So I'll drive the bus. And I love the humility of the owner of the rafting company just decided to drive the bus. Yeah. And there's—I mean, it's a weak analogy, but the same idea. The Lord is like, look, the shepherds can't do it. I will shepherd them myself. I will come and I will be the king because they need that and they deserve that. I don't know. There's something beautiful there.
0: I think that I I can see how as a Christian, you would be saying, how can I do a really good reality TV show and then come (laughs) up with undercover boss? I'm just saying. Because of the boss being humbled. Have the CEO go and pretend to be the lowest um, at the start out guy who doesn't know anything to experience and then to elevate Mm -hmm. those who have, have, been the servants of the servants the I like, the, like hmm. it's actually a very Christian idea yeah I like that and so the Lord is king the most high over all the earth so which gets us into to second Peter
1: who is the original undercover boss
0: he is the original <laughs> undercover <laughs> boss I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either uh, uh, keep
1: in mind uh Peter second Peter I, I believe it's written to the community in Rome is that right?
0: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, if
1: I'm not I, misremembering that, dude,
0: I you, but, you know more better, you know better than I.
1: But the one thing I do always like to point out about the the Petrine epistles, as they're called um because you know scholars and we've talked about this on the podcast before scholars love to rip apart the two epistles of Peter because they're like this this couldn't actually be Peter Peter didn't write these right. they're pseudepigraphical which means somebody wrote it in his name and you know for either for good or for ill purposes you know sinister or not right. it's obviously not Peter and the bible's not to be believed but because it doesn't sound like the the kind of ignorant impetuous fisherman of the gospels right And we forget that, no, 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 this is Peter having been aged for quite a while, right? Having grown and matured, looking back. I mean, I hope I don't sound in my 60s like I sounded in my 20s. I mean, if that's true, if I still sound the same way, and if I'm still speaking the same way, then something has gone
0: wrong, right? Yeah, in that's my human true. experience, or or even in we this podcast, it. Like yeah. like five five four years ago right. when we started, we, like, we should be a little more seasoned. Yeah, actually, so, you know, people have been coming up to me saying that like you and I have got a good like a good relationship. I mean, so we, I'm really happy that we've deceived you all um, so that you- Because we actually hate each other. I hate Scott. <laughs> no, and come on. I don't like that. No, not at all. We, uh, they can actually, those who've been listening for a long time can really tell how our relationship has grown and that we <laughs> that <laughs> oh we don't interrupt each other nearly as much as, as we much. used to. <laughs> I just interrupted you to say that. <laughs> that yeah, I, which is actually really beautiful. But but no, we've really grown in our ability to right. know, like, I know what you, how you like to speak and you know how I like to speak within the podcast and we encourage that in each other. Yeah. Except for when we don't, and then we just, (laughs) (laughs) because we just got stuff inside. We got stuff in the basement.
1: It's when we refuse to humble ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Humble thyself in In the sight of of Scott. Humble
0: thyself in the sight of the podcast.
1: Um. Anyway, all that is to say, so this is Peter now looking back over things. And I love this particular passage because it's Peter reflecting on what has happened, which is a lot of what these epistles are. Which is I'm so... I'm just thinking back about what happened. I'm finally, it's taken him years to unpack yes. what happened in the gospel. Because you read the gospels and you're like, Peter, you are a clueless moron, <laughs> as are the rest of them. And you're like, oh my gosh, are you ever going to get it? Right. And then you read the epistles and you're like, oh...
0: He you got, got it. it. Yeah. And that's
1: really beautiful because how much of our lives do we know? What, what is that line? The unexamined life is not worth... I think that's Cicero, right? right. The unexamined mm-hmm. life is not worth living. These epistles are Peter examining his life for the benefit of the rest of us.
0: And the fruit... And it's just so beautiful to So, me. The, So this first line where he says, uh, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we mm. made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about that for a second. Like, okay. when have people encountered the power of scripture because this is actually like this scott both you and i have a real experience of encountering the power of scripture that's why we want to do this podcast right is because you see mark and how it relates back to daniel and you're going like oh my goodness look at the depth by which jesus christ is expressing himself in word and deed in these little moments in matimony and and mimesis in like and these, well, well, y- good use of uh, language. Hey, thank you. And and so he's expressing himself in these ways, and you go, oh my goodness. And the temptation is to say, like, you know what? These these are just some really clever guys that got together, and they were like, right. how do we make Jesus? Uh, look like he knew what he was doing the whole time. Yeah, right. and like, right. like, and and that's where like Peter says because which is the works. opposite of what Peter's
1: doing because that's looking back over something and then trying to rewrite it rather I said, than looking. Jesus. Yes, rather
0: than looking back and exodus. drawing from what the story is and understanding who am I in the midst of this? What really happened versus saying, how can I make this to be what I should manipulate this to express? And so he's, he's going directly at the heart of that and saying, no, we're not doing the the power of Jesus Christ. And the power of these things has taken thousands of years to compile. And he's acknowledging a lot of people do do
1: that. There are a lot of cleverly devised myths and people who will try to make up things to try to deceive and manipulate you. There's lots of that. I'm acknowledging that. At. I'm not one of them," he says. Right, but we have been eyewitnesses. Right, I was there. It's not just secondhand or thirdhand stuff I'm spewing out to you. I was there, which which gets at the it gets at what real evangelization is. Real evangelization is not just telling people about the faith; it is telling people about yourself right. and your experience with the faith. I was this way, then I met Jesus Christ and now I'm this way. Here's how he changed me. Not just, well, in Canon 282, it says, I mean, there's use for that. There's good in that. But to the degree that we don't personalize it and say, this is my experience of how God has changed me, then we don't really get, uh, and maybe it's the difference between catechesis and evangelization. Evangelization is the sharing of oneself catechesis is teaching about right and and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of overlap and i'm kind of making up these definitions as i go Yeah, yeah yeah and they're not fair but but that's what i love about what peter is saying he's like i'm not just telling you about stuff i'm telling you about me this is what
0: i saw this is what i experienced
1: and i hope then that you can derive fruit from that
0: which is which is the link which says hey i heard the father say to jesus this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased i was there i was there i saw that cloud come down on the mountain and, and like, so, so like, that's, that's the thing is like, what mm. if we took seriously that Jesus Christ was the messenger from the creator of all things, mm. the, the, like the messenger coming to us to say, this is, is the, that heretical? No, no, because he is the messenger of the father. He also is the creator of all things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm just trying to, they, yeah, 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 yes, yes they're distinct. Know, I know you're right. You're right. I mean, Sorry, that's I, Trinitarian. This is what I do. I nitpick. Hey dude, that's No, it. you're right. Yes, I'm with you. So I'm so totally like there. he's he is the emissary and the one <laughs> Yes, he's both and he's both and of of saying, Hey, what if we were to take this man seriously? Mm. And to say, let's listen to him. This is the beloved son, and you can imagine Peter going along, and he's like, "I believe," and I struggle. Lord, help my unbelief. Right. Like he's like, "I see," and then he gets slammed and called Satan by God, and you're like, "Oh <laughs> never man, never a is, good day." This is, a, this is a, and and held up as an example, in front of everybody, who's like, "Look, like everybody, Peter's Satan." Yeah, like that dude's a tool, oh, that dude. Stinks, you know. And meanwhile, you got James and John who are like, "Hey, we want to sit in your left and right," and your mom's like totally inappropriate because they want the glory
1: in the up. Uh, in, in, in the, the key, former sense, sense. Of it. absolutely. They don't get it yet. Yeah. So does
0: Peter, probably. Oh, Peter, he totally does. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's what you were talking about with the podcast. It's like, yeah. you know, I get a little bit of that taste of fame where you're walking along and everybody's like, "What's up? That's a lanky guy," <laughs> or he used to be lanky, but he's <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast. Formerly lanky. Formerly lanky. <laughs> mm. I think he's half of the lank. I think. <laughs> I think Scott makes up for his lack.
1: And I, I love that you don't see much of Peter in this. He says, I was there. I saw it, but this is what I saw. And then he defers the attention away from himself. We are ourselves heard this. Yep. This is what he did to me. Um, And then he does come back. So we possess this prophetic message that's reliable. You can, I mean, he's also, you, you can tell the fact that he is talking about, um, cleverly devised myths and his trustworthiness that's reliable you can tell that he's up against a culture with a lot of cleverly devised myths and unreliability and people who are skeptical i mean this sounds like a lot like us how can i trust this how can i know you're telling the truth where's the evidence how can you actually tell me this is true right and what peter is saying is like look the only evidence i have is that i was there and i saw this right and you can't you can't refute that that's why evangelization works, because it's really hard to refute someone's personal experience of something. Right. And that's, I think, a lot of the, the place where we as Christians are sort of losing the cultural battle on some fronts. Because there's a lot of people that are like, this is how I identify. This is who I am. This is why I'm okay with this or that sin because of this. And they're personalizing it. And we want to turn and make things, you know, these very cold, abstract arguments rather than, well, no. I recognize my identity and dignity in Jesus Christ through this series of events. Right. This is how I've experienced God's love. Does that make sense? Yes. We don't personalize it enough in evangelization. We just want to turn... We make apologetics about... um Syllogisms and catchphrases and one liners that we can throw at people mm. and the people who sometimes are the enemies of the church have really personalized their experience and said, no, this is what I've experienced. And we don't counter in kind right? and say, well, I experienced, you know, oh, the church is this or that. And this is my experience of the church. And it was cold and it was mean and, and it was abusive and it was whatever else. Well, my experience of the church is the exact opposite. It's and the I had a priest who loved me, and I had sisters who cared for me, and this was—and you can't refute that because it's my experience. And I right. think if we use that more, I think we would do better job at evangelizing the
0: world. Amen. And that's
1: where Peter, as the Pope, he's like, "This is what we should be doing."
0: And he says, "We possess the prophetic message that is altogether reliable."
1: And but it's inside. We possess it. it we possess part it of me. It's not some just some, you know. Catchphrase I've got. It is.
0: It is me. And 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 this is. I love it. It says you'll do well to be attentive to this thing that it possesses inside of me. As a lamp shining in a dark place until you receive it. Right. Until you get your hearts. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 that's like that. That's where like, you know, if we get a chance in the podcast Mm. to be able to be a little bit of a light shining in the dark. You know, or or at least a little bit of audio in your car, or like a little bit of light in your in in, in your laundry, or washing toilets, or building rockets in Kazakhstan. Like then we, then like we then we possess this beautiful altogether reliable message that's right. super helpful. So what is it? What is the message? Well, that's
1: what the gospel is, and this is what Peter's experience is. What's mm. the content then of what changed me? Well, here's a part of it, and that's where we go back and and you know we're almost out of time so i, I we we've, we've sort of led up to this and now i think we can we can not breeze over but we can touch on the gospel because we've we've we've
0: surre- we've given it the foundation because well, right? it's the marrow it's jesus bringing together the the prophetic tradition and the law in and showing how they are all existing in unity, how Moses and Elijah have entered. Moses entered the promised land now with Jesus, and he's representative of the law. And Elijah is the prophet, prophetic yeah. tradition, how he's drawing all that was and that he's coming on the clouds. But in a, in a way that, you know, like what is the glory of the Lord going to be revealed as? It's going to be revealed as a light in mm. the midst of the darkness. The enthronement of Jesus Christ is on the cross. It's yeah. the light in the middle of the darkness. And, and that's going to be for our lives. That we're going to go through the darkness, but he's going to remain a light with us and existing and saying, no, no, like I'm here and don't be afraid. Well, here's the here's the juxtaposition of this. Here's a a couple things that I see.
1: Um, So this is Matthew's version. Um, Luke, not to, you know, put, pit the gospels against each other. <laughs> Luke gives us slightly more information than Matthew does.
0: Cause it's the timing about the feasts, right?
1: Well, that's one thing, but there, there's more. So Pope Benedict, remember in Jesus of Nazareth, he really unpacks Luke's version of this. And it's one of my favorite writings of Benedict. But so here, Jesus put Peter, James, and John, the, his three closest disciples. They went up on a mountain by themselves. Um, do you remember? It's only Luke that tells you why Jesus went on the mountain. Do you remember his purpose? No. It says, it's only Luke. He says, Jesus went on the mountain to pray. And so it's this little detail that seems like a side note, but it's what Luke adds. So what Pope Benedict pointed out was that what we're seeing in the transfiguration is what Jesus' prayer life looks like. Mm. You get an insight. It's not just, oh, here's this huge miracle that we're seeing. It's that God has allowed us into his prayer life. What does it look like when God speaks to him, when Jesus speaks to his father? Well, the angels and the saints and clouds and glory, all this stuff happens. And so yeah. here he's speaking with Moses and Elijah. And like you said, Moses is traditionally in Jewish tradition, the embodiment of the law. He's the lawgiver, right? Right. Elijah is the embodiment of the prophets, he's the prophecies. So what Benedict points out is you have the law and the prophets speaking to Jesus and speaking about Jesus, the prefigurement of all the law and the prophets. They're pointing to Jesus. They're looking at Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. But do you remember their topic of conversation? Again, Luke gives you a little bit more. Jesus' exodus. But what is
0: that? That's going from slavery into the promised land.
1: Yeah, but it's more specific because Luke says they're speaking about his exodus, which he was to accomplish in Jerusalem. So what are they talking about?
0: His crucifixion.
1: Which is the darkness that surrounds I And mean, this is where I go back to the psalm now, right? right? In this glory, the light that's emanating from Jesus during this conversation, in the, the Lord being king, the most high over all the earth, um, the earth is rejoicing, the islands are glad, but there is clouds and darkness around about him. This is the juxtaposition that the psalm mm. gave us. As light is emanating from Jesus and he's speaking with the law and the prophets, there are dark clouds surrounding him because what they're speaking about is the crucifixion which is about to happen. Yeah, that's G and again, I go back to Benedict. That's Jesus's prayer life, Mm -hmm. a light shining in the darkness, but the dark clouds gathering around it, which will be taken down. The dark clouds will be conquered, but for a while, they're going to sort of exist together surrounding each other in this little standoff in a certain sense, right? Because we know what's coming. We know the darkness is building and we know the conscious choice that the Godhead is going to make to give himself over and so to be glorified in that way. But so you get this juxtaposition of the light and the darkness. Jesus is, it's not, the Benedict also points out, you know, who else was up on a mountain um, who received something? You have Moses. Moses, right? And remember, he comes down and he's lit up as well. He's glowing. But the difference, Benedict points out, is that when Moses came down from the mountain, it was like he was reflecting a light. There was a light shining on him.
0: He, he was like uh, like that that uh, kind of glow-in-the-dark plastic. You know what I'm saying? You <laughs> the can green. He, he's he's,
1: slightly green, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah the, Like the the stars on your ceiling. Like Absolutely. you turn a light on and it absorbs it. Yeah. And it reflects it for a little while. Whereas Jesus is the light. He is emanating the he, light, not reflecting the light. Yeah, he, like he has yeah. a light by which we do not know. And yeah. and th- that's how he, in the middle of, of everything, he can be a light. Always in the midst of the most tremendous darkness because he is light. He doesn't need to reflect it. Now, I might be
1: totally off my gourd here. You probably are. But when the apostles say, so the apostles are witnessing this. They're hearing them talking about the exodus that he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem, which we know is the passion. So then the response is, now, again, I think it's Luke that points out it's around the trans- uh, It's around uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast where you set up booths and dwell there for a while. Yeah, so you go like, camping. We should, we should stay here and set up some booths. Um, I wonder if there's a fear in that. Like, they're seeing the glory and the light and Moses and Elijah, but they're also seeing the dark clouds gathering around this conversation. Oh, and they're like, maybe we should we need to get down tents. for a little bit. Because this is kind of scary.
0: Because we're about to get hit with some rain. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't let, know. Let's just be honest. Like, you you run an adventure camp, yeah. And when you climb a significant peak, mm. when do you start? At three a.m. Why? Because the dark clouds are going to roll in around noon. Right. Because everybody knows that you climb a peak noon until three. Noon until three.
1: That does tend to be when the storms roll in in Colorado summers. I'm just that's, throwing that uh, out there.
0: on a, on the peak does that sound like the, the crucifixion peak. interesting that's really see this because like in my mind i just keep on connecting how in a certain sense what we're getting is an icon of the crucifixion absolutely right uh, that the, the transfiguration is to help us to understand what we're what's actually happening in the crucifixion yeah and like just to make that expression explicit so that so that as the darkness gathers we know what the truth is what is happening in the crucifixion though i mean in,
1: in theologically speaking, in the Christian tradition, what is the moment of the crucifixion? It is, we, oh, sorry.
0: The glorification of Christ. The, the enthronement of the God. The
1: enthronement. That, that's what I was getting at. He has a crown on his head. Right. He's enthroned. He's lifted up in a high place. Now, what's happening here? So the apostles want to build their tents. And what happens? The God the Father speaks from the clouds and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The Lord God quotes Psalm 2, which is a coronation psalm. This is Jesus's moment of coronation. So talking about it being an icon of the passion, which is the moment of his enthronement. Here's the father proclaiming his coronation on his son as it is becoming this icon of the crucifixion itself. It is all of these things. it's, It's as if you're getting at least a glimpse of the heavenly perspective on the earthly reality, which is about to take place.
0: Ooh, yeah. And
1: then the irony, of course, of this, I mean, if the apostles, if, if my kind of crazy ideas, right, and they're a little bit freaked out, which they should be, and they kind of want to hunker down there for a while. Do you remember what happens as soon as they come down from the Mount of Transfiguration?
0: Possessed boy. It's
1: crazy! They come down into chaos. They're like... At least there was a little bit of peace up there, and we come down into this exorcism that has to happen. There's possessed people and they can't they can't perform the exorcism and they don't know what and to Jesus do and the apostles chides are flipping them. out.
0: And Jesus is like, Oh, you guys are dumb. You can't just proclaim the name. You need to pray to get rid of this one. And But the wh- point is they come down into chaos. Which things is things are pretty dark. Which is interesting because I think that what we're experiencing, just to kind of bring this wrap this up, yeah, yeah. is that the transfiguration is the marrow of the crucifixion.
1: The transfiguration is the marrow of the
0: crucifixion. Okay. So that what we know at the very core, we understand and we get new eyes. Mm. I like that. I like that. We just get new eyes to say, oh, this is Mm -hmm. how we can actually look. This is the enthronement. This is this beautiful expression. Yes, and it's still scary. Yeah. It's like, even though it's powerful and beautiful, it's still scary. Well, it's and, more scary once you actually get the insight. You're like, oh, this is bigger than I thought it was. Right. And 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 by it, we receive the new law. By it, yeah. everything is integrated. By it, we see the uh, Son of God coming on the clouds of heaven. By it, we get a, a view into the throne room. By it, we are able yes. to be drawn up into the entire mystery of God, by which Peter says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. It is an altogether reliable prophetic message. We are ad- drawn into the very heart of God through this beautiful thing Ooh. that allows us to see the beginning and the end all in a singular moment. It's really pretty cool. Ooh. Boom. Boom. Wow. Thanks for joining us. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's a,
1: an abrupt ending, but that's, I think the right place to end. I, I don't know. I, I That's mean, it. That's everything.
0: I don't think you could say a whole lot more than that. I mean, like okay, you, you could say everything more. Wow. But we love you guys. We will be. Thanks best. for celebrating my birthday with me, even oh, a day late. And happy birthday, Father Peter. Dude, 40th level is pretty sweet, man. Amen. Forty years I endured this generation. They are people <laughs> whose hearts go astray and they do not my ways.
1: Well, now everything's gonna look up, right?
0: And, and well, yeah, now now I get into the promised land, dude, with or, Moses and Elijah.
1: Or maybe you're entering into the 40 years of. It's hard to say. It's hard to say where we are. <laughs> Get the map out. All right, we'll see you next time, guys. Okay, God bye bless bye. you. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.